following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You know the show, you're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And what matters to me? Ooh, okay. Thankful. That's exactly right. Thanksgiving is about to come up, and I have so much to be thankful for. Thank God and and, and so many friends and family in my life who have just uh, been so special to me. And uh, it's one of those things where I think we all need to take the time out just to, just to be thankful uh, after all, that's what this uh, holiday season starts off with Thanksgiving, and, and I have a lot to be thankful for. So uh, that's what matters to me is that I am extremely thankful for the life that I've been blessed with and that I'm here for another Thanksgiving. So <clears throat> with that being said, of course, there's a couple other things that, uh, that I want to talk about out there. And, and I'm going to do something I haven't done in a while. <clears throat> Anybody out there, 888 346 Nine one four four. That's a toll-free call-in number. If you're listening live and you like to call in, uh, today, of course, is November 24th, 2015. Uh, please give us a call, 888-346-9144. I'm, uh, I'm blessed today. I got uh, in the studios with me. Uh, it's a family affair. I got a couple good friends. Family is in uh the studio as well. I'm not going to tell you exactly how that works out, but uh, of course, uh, a friend to the show, uh, Chef Julian from the Hall of Fame City is in the studios with me, and he and I are going to get a chance to chat a little bit. Uh, but I'm just, man, I heard something that was very disappointing to me, and I just got to start with it. Of course, you know the Eagles have disappointed me, but then of course, you know that uh, the Ohio State University. So shout out to my friends from the Big Ten. Um, you know, I, come on, I, really? Ike, come on, man. Ike, yeah, started from the bottom, look where you're at now. But uh, you on top, you on top. So shout out to my man Ike and all my good friends from uh, the Big Ten. Shout out to Percy Snow, uh, Percy and Eric, you know, Big Ten boys from family from back home. I want to give a shout out to them. But uh, uh, let me get started. Chef Julian, Chef Julian, you know, the Hall of Fame city, going to ask him what's cooking. And, of course, he going to start talking to me about Johnny Manziel. Chef Julian, man, what is really going on? I mean, is this true? I mean, Johnny has been out partying some more, and all of a sudden now here's this man who gets a chance of a lifetime. Football must not be that important to this man. See, when I first heard about this story, I thought uh, maybe it's just the media hyping it up. But then you show pictures of the video, 
they haven't released the video to the public, but they've released pictures of the video, and it's just him just drunk in front of a camera. But can you imagine, Chef, if you are a young child growing up your entire life, and football's been a part of your life, and you get drafted to the National Football League, and you become a starting quarterback in the National Football League, and the only thing you have to sacrifice because you're only going to play football in your life if you're a quarterback. I mean, the average is three and a half years. So, you know, those who, you know, play beyond that, it is truly, truly a blessing that they're healthy enough. Their body doesn't give up on them. But let's say you stay, you know, to 10 years. Uh, then what you got to do is uh, that 10-year period, you, you, what you got to do is you got to be thankful, as I said. You gotta, you gotta sacrifice everything. There can be nothing more important than your family and your job. Of course, your God comes first. My God comes first. But listen, your, your, your faith, your family, football, everything else. I mean, what could he possibly be thinking about? I mean, think about all those people out here in the country who are, as they say, looking up to Johnny. You know, he's a role model. I don't even want to talk about him letting them down. He is letting himself down. I, if it were me, I mean, seriously, I think the young man might need to be on suicide watch. I mean, you, you, you're a starting quarterback for the National Football League, and you lose it because you got to go to a party. I mean, really? Do you want? Is that who you want to put your franchise in his hands? So I, I think, and we talked about this before. I asked you if they gave Johnny a chance to start, and he went, and he didn't really have to set it on fire, but if he performed. You know, to had a decent game. Should we stick with him? I think we agree we should. Mm-hmm. But now this happens, so I, I I do not think he's deserving of a fifth chance. Ah, first, second, third, fourth. He had about his fifth chance, Chef Julian. Really, man, do you stick with him now, or do you let him go for good? I don't know if you let him go for good because I mean, when you think about it, they're just going to be repeating the same things that they've been doing for the past thirty years that the, the Cleveland Browns are. That's what I'm talking about. Um, they're going to just keep rebuilding, keep drafting more quarterbacks. Uh, that list of quarterbacks over the last 15, 20 years is going to get much longer if they keep doing this. Uh, I really think that they should just maybe just find another, just keep, ah, maybe they should. I think maybe they should. I don't know. I, I think <laughs> you're just as just, confused as they are. Yeah, that, that, it's, that's, it's that's really the fact confusing. Of, I just, don't think any, I don't think they're confused any longer. Yeah. I, I don't think the Browns are confused with Johnny. I think Johnny's made the decision for the Browns. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just, I've had my faith in Johnny Menzel. It's really hard to just give it up. It's not personal, it's just it's yeah, business. It's, it's just business. And, and if Johnny is not performing, if Johnny can't be a leader of your football team, if he can't be a leader of men, if he can't make the sacrifices necessary that he is in the playbook and he is in the film room and he is on the practice field and he is resting, then we, we can't trust him to be the leader of our football team. And that's just plain and simple. You know, it's not that... You know, is Johnny Manziel a superstar? No, he's not a superstar in the National Football League. He may have been a superstar in college, but this is the National Football League. I don't think Johnny could if Johnny if the if the Browns were to let Johnny go this afternoon, Johnny could not honestly walk away from that team and say they never gave him a chance. They gave him a chance. I mean, that's all you ever want is a chance. And most of the times when people who 
make it to that level when they get their chance, they're happy. It doesn't, and that's the problem with me. I, I just don't think that Johnny really, everybody talks about how, you know, it's a privilege to play in the National Football League. Johnny Manziel doesn't look at this as, as a privilege. As far as he's concerned, it's just, you know, another thing that he can just chalk up. Uh, you know, it's, it's part of his money thing, man. He, he just really doesn't care that much about pro football. So as far as I'm concerned, I really don't need to spend much more time talking about Johnny Manziel because it's not like I haven't been there and done that. Yeah. And I know exactly, you know, they've given him more than enough chances, and uh, chances are uh, that was his last chance. I, I, I truly do believe it. I think, as a matter of fact, they probably could, they would be justified in, in cutting him, as a matter of fact. 888-346-9144 is the number to call in in case you'd like to call in. Uh, give us a call here at the studio. Let's go right here, Chef Julian. Oh, um, what I want to talk about now is um, Ohio State. Uh the big, of course, everybody knows about the big loss to Michigan State. Uh, people want to say that oh, this was um, the Ohio State's big loss and everything. They only lost by three points. People think that this is just, it was just some blowout by Michigan State. They dominated the whole um, game. I mean, they stopped our offense for most of the game, but when you think about it, they didn't even put up as many points as. Uh, they were supposed to. I mean, we gave them many opportunities to put put up more points than they were supposed to, and they couldn't capitalize. So even though our offense wasn't playing good, their offense wasn't playing as good as they should have been either. But um, one thing I want to talk about is, of course, Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott's um, post-game comments. Well, uh, I would say this about Ohio State. First of all, uh, the fact that Ohio State uh, lost to Michigan State I think some people going into the game perhaps maybe thought this was the game on the schedule where Ohio State would trip up and, and they would lose. Uh, many people, many pundits out there said that the Ohio State University football team had not really been playing anybody that had anything of substance, no real good football teams. And that may be have been the case. You know, so it's the first, you know, top 10 ranked team that they're, that they're playing against. Uh, but again, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and I think Michigan State might have been number nine, I think, and we were number three. Uh, of course, I said we. I have a right to say we. Um, it was a good game. It was a, it was a good game in terms of it wasn't a blowout. It was a struggle for Ohio State, but Ohio State has struggled all year with just about everybody. And why is that? Because you're the defending champs. You're the defending national championship team. Everybody you're playing against wants to beat you. So everybody's going to play their best game of the season against you. Michigan State played its best game against Ohio State. I mean, it's one of those things Whereas, okay, yeah, you beat them, but the score was 17-14. You dominated them, the score was 17-14. Is it really dominating them and the score is only 17-14? I mean, really, and, and the fact that did you really take their best you know, asset that they have in terms of their running game? Did you really take that away from them, or did they go away from that? And I think more than Michigan State taking Zeke away, I think Ohio State went away from Zeke. And therefore, the comments of which you mentioned, around that perhaps maybe we'll talk about a little bit, you know, at the break. When we come back, we'll talk about it. But in terms of just the team's performance, I, for one, never thought that we should have gotten away from 12-gauge. 
I thought we should have stayed with 12 gauge. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Okay, if 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 the only thing that JT Barrett is doing positive for the team is when we get to the red zone, you know, he's executing and scoring, but you got to get there. And if the big fella was getting us there, then why not stay with him? I I just I don't understand that because now what passing game we have is not there at all. No passing game. See, that's the that, that's the thing. I think I think uh, Cardell Jones would have probably maybe gotten us to the red zone. Of course, like you said, um, I think he would have gotten us more deep passes, more uh, passes down the field for touchdowns. Even not even just first downs, maybe even for touchdowns. Uh, he has the accuracy and the arm strength to get us there. But JT Barrett, he he likes to throw short passes. You know, and you take so you take and, and stretching the field is something you want to do. You want to have. You know, the defensive backs, you know, backpedaling, understanding they got to open up because there's a deep threat. When you take that deep threat away, they can squat. They can play much tighter coverage because they know you're not going deep with the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. The hitch routes, um, screens, that's, the, that's JT Barrett's game. But deep passes, uh, deep throws, uh, deep slants, that's, that's uh, Cordell Jones' game. He, he likes to throw it deep. And if you're not going to throw it deep and you know that they're not going to throw it deep, it was, it was much easier to defend the pass for Michigan State. So all they had to do was run it. And to be honest, that running game wasn't even that good. And if I was Zeke, I wouldn't be blaming the coaching staff. I'd be blaming him and the offense. It was not the coaching staff that was the problem. It was those players. I mean, they set you up to get to the to get at least a first down and not if not a touchdown. I mean... So if that's the case, you need to look at yourself. You need to look in the mirror because that's the problem. Well, I, I would say this. I, I would say this to the t- There's no doubt about it. Any play that you run in any football game, you know, every play that's drawn up is drawn up to be a touchdown. If everybody does their job and every man executes his assignment, it should result in a touchdown. So I, I would agree that the players should be disappointed in their performance because it's a man in front of you. It's your job to block him, to move him out the way so the running back can move the ball to the you know down the field and hopefully into the end zone. But I would also say in terms of you know the uh, the strategy for going out and catching the defense in a position where they least expect what we're about to do. That's a game plan that's put together by the coaches. And then the players go out and execute it. But there was no mystery in this offense at all. You know, you pretty much once you have that quarterback in there, you know, you got, we got JT and we know what we're going to do. Uh, when you decide you're not going to run the ball to Zeke, okay, then we know that we can, you know, pretty much contain everybody else. You don't take your best weapon and eliminate him from the game plan. When you're not winning, when it's whatever you're doing is not working. And, and I think that's what we're going to talk about when we come back. We're going to talk about the fact that Zeke said, hey, man, it's not working. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Chef Julian is in the studios with me. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You hear that music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Chef Julian's in the studio with me. And what matters to me, of course, is that I have a lot to be thankful for. And we're approaching the holiday uh, season and uh, just too many things to, to really uh, acknowledge them all. But uh, truly grateful um, for family, friends, and um, just the life, <laughs> you know. So uh, let me just get back to where Chef Julie and I were, and 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 I and I, you know, there's some breaking news came out, you know, from back in the the heart of it all, and uh, Chef Julian is uh, reporting to me that uh, the Cleveland Browns expect the best from Johnny on the field and off the field, and 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 because he's um, he's compromised that you know position of delivering the team. Uh, the best he can off the field based upon his circumstances. You guys have to understand, now, this is a young man who a, an organization is trying to support who's actually going through a rehabilitation process because he's a part of a chemical dependency, drug and alcohol rehabilitation uh, process that he's going through. And so they, they can't enable him by finding out that he is getting away from that and, and not having him suffer some consequences is not helping him. It would be hurting him. And so he's hurting himself, and he's hurting his team. And, and then that's also hurting the fans who support him and the league that supports him. So uh, it's not that I'm being hard on Johnny, but uh, it's just that I just know if there's somebody in that situation, you know, you are not helping them by allowing them to continue to make the same mistakes over and over. You know, I, Johnny's performance on the football field, that was not enough to bench him. But what he did off the field, again, understanding that that was a part of the deal they're making with him, I think he broke that deal, Chef Julian, so I think he deserves the position he's going to have this week, which is going to be on the bench. Oh, most definitely. Um you can't make that mistake too many times. And the Browns have shown that they're not going to have this anymore. You've seen it with Josh Josh Gordon. He's he's shown many times that he's gotten many second chances, as 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 you put it, um, with Johnny Menzel. So if you're going to keep getting these second chances and you're going to keep messing up, then you're not going to start for our team. Yeah. And that's obviously what they're going to uh, tell you. Yeah. 
So, so that we're, we're going to close that segment on, on Johnny, and we're going to get back to where we were just before the break, and that is that, that we, we were talking about, of course, the ab man. <laughs> we were talking about Zeke and the Ohio State Buckeyes. And uh, I would just like to say this. First of all, for those of you who got a chance to see the article by uh, Mr. Elliott that was out there uh, online, if you would listen to the entire press conference, if you will, because that's what it was. I mean, it was, they were contained, they had him contained at his locker. He couldn't move. And he basically held a press conference right there at his locker. And first of all, you know, being part of this platform of content, of talking about sports, um, I understand from both perspectives is that you want to give information to uh, those people out there who love the sport. Uh, You want them to read or listen to whatever you have to say or you write. Uh, But at the same time, uh, I understand why Beast Mode takes the position that he has taken. If you would read, I'm sorry, if you would read and you would also listen to the entire press conference that Zeke held at his locker, there is no way that the inflammatory headlines should have read Elliot Blast Buckeye Coaches. That's not what he did. He basically asked some questions and he gave his opinion. The young man talked about wanting to have the ball simply because he's not trying to break R.G. Griffin's records. He's not trying to, you know, it wasn't about trying to get out there and win a Heisman Trophy. It was about winning. It was about knowing what they had run and what was working, and they got away from it. It was also about the fact that he asked the coach to run the play, and the coach didn't demand, you know, that they run the play. I've seen Chef Julian. I've seen times where coaches have gone up to, head coaches have gone up to offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators and told them what to run, what to do. I didn't get that from Urban. Now, after the game, Urban seems to be take the side that Zeke took, and that is, yeah, we should have handed him the ball more often. But he was at the same game everybody else was at, watching it. I don't think, again... I'm I'm standing here sitting in the studio today defending that I don't think what Zeke said was that bad. He spoke the truth. He was interviewed. People always want more from athletes. You don't want them to have the beast mode approach to a press conference. but But if you don't get that and you get the truth, now everybody's out after this young man. What do you think about that? Do you want the truth from me or do you want me to give you beast mode? See, that's the thing. The media, they don't. If you give them the truth they'll turn it into something that's much bigger than it was. So by Zeke saying, I only had 11 carries, that shouldn't happen, they're going to say, oh, he just wants his stats. His, he just wants to pass yeah, his stats Yeah, that's terrible. Like, that is terrible. Like he's exactly the, right. Like what do, what do he needs to pad his stats for? He's already the top running back in the, in the nation. So if you're going to really is that selfish uh, From your personal perspective, is that selfish to ask you know, or to say that I wanted the ball more. I, basically, all he was saying is I, I thought I could contribute more. I could have more success than we were getting. That's all, What's wrong with somebody answering a question like that? Oh, that's not selfish at all because when you look at their success, I mean, when you look at their stats, the Ohio State is 13th in rushing, in rushing yards in the entire nation. That's over like 200 schools. So 
there's only 12 other schools that are running the ball better than them. And half of the, those running yards are from are from Ezekiel Elliott. So if you're not going to hand, hand the ball off to him, who are you going to give the ball to? Like, yeah. there's no one on that team that is going to run the ball better than Ezekiel Elliott. If the blocks were there, if the defensive line wasn't beating the offensive line to the punch, I think that that, that result to that game would have been so much different and their, the carries would have been a lot more. And, and for them to ask him a question about the play calling, and he simply said, well, wh- whoever calls the plays. You know, he just thought they should have been calling different plays. He doesn't necessarily know who's calling the play. Yeah, that's a coach. For, that's a, that it's, is it's a, a question coach. for Urban, Urban Meyer. That but, but, is a question but, but, but for Urban But when you Meyer. ask a player, if a player gives you, again, a, a response like beast mode, next question, next yeah. question, then you're going to be upset. And then when a player gives you the answer to the best of his ability is that, you know, the play calling should have been different. You know, who's calling the plays? I, he doesn't know. But a coach is calling the plays. That's not blasting the coach. You know, when you're telling the media, when they ask you a question, you simply say, I, I was out there campaigning for a certain play that he knew was working. Down, you know, That's not something for them then to turn it and spin it for the sake of content and viewership and, and readership. That is wrong. In my mind, and they always speak about, I'm saying they, myself as well, you know, journalists, come on. A journalist should be true to his craft. And you don't have to create fictitious positions just to get readership. Those inflammatory headlines, that's not the truth. When somebody blasts somebody, this man, as a matter of fact, you know what he should have said? He encouraged his teammate. He said to his teammate, if indeed this is, uh, this is, this is something whereas you have, to, you have to say to your teammate, guys, if this is the worst thing that's ever happened to us, we've lived some pretty good lives. Mm-hmm. It, 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 life isn't that bad. You know, now it's time for us to go you know, beat that team up north. But he was encouraging his team. You didn't read that to the bottom of the headlines. Oh, and, then it's, and then it's at the end of the press conference. And then even when he did decide to say that he wasn't coming back. That's that the was, big headline. That was That's in, the big but headline. that was in response to a question again. So, yes, it's my last game because you asked me, and I'm telling you, yes, this was my last game. It wasn't like he threw it out there. And it, wasn't a, it wasn't a situation where... The it, loss caused that to happen. It's, thank you, Chef Julie. It's, Go it's right not like that. It's not like that's the reason why he voted himself into the draft. Like, he had that decision before the season even started. He was going to do that before the season even started, all right? So so now he's got to apologize to the world because exactly. of the way this story was written. And you know what? A, another story came out. Joey Bosa, they asked him about his questions. He said, he just said what people were afraid to say. But that's the thing. The media made it into something bigger, and Joey Bosa said, no, that if he did say that, then I support everything he said. And Urban Meyer supported what he said, too. So the fact that they're standing behind his comments show, is showing that 
this is not a locker room that is torn down. Like the media is saying, this is not a locker room that is broken apart and it's just me versus you. Whose stats is better? Are your stats better than mine? No, they're not. That's exactly. They're, they're, they're not becoming a me, a, a me, me, me team. That is not yeah. what the Buckeyes are. They're, they love, they're, that's what they're pointing out. They're saying that this is a team full of big-headed people who thought just because they won a national championship, they're going to be. That is the, the total opposite of that team. Yeah, they're going to be the dream team. They're going to be. Very, very very humble team. And that young man, as a matter of fact, I was so proud of him because in the press conference, first of all, when you saw him, he I mean, he actually was laughing at the end of the press conference, you know, where it was time for him to display a little bit of humility, you know, and, and at the same time, some humor. He, He was able to do it. And then he even went as far as, you know, they were asking him about his health. And he was telling them about this cyst that he had on his leg. And he, and he was able to show them, but he was telling them, but he, but he was healthy. But in the middle of the week, at the beginning of the week, though, he was in pain. And as a matter of fact, he also said that, that it was a situation where he may have been, like, crying in pain. You know, and so this is a man that I just thought, I think the spin they put on those stories for the purpose of readership and listenership was, was totally wrong. I, I, I think the young man will bat, bounce back, and I think that team up north is in trouble this week. What do you think, Chef Julian? Almost oh, definitely. They, they, better have the, they better be ready because I'm telling you, they are ready. There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing worse than Buckeyes coming back from uh, from a loss. That's the worst thing that you want, especially if they're defending champs. So you think? Uh, so you think uh, Urban will have the boys ready this week? Oh, they will be more ready than any other game this season. Now, do you think um, that we're going to see a little bit more of twelve gauge this week? I don't know. I, I think. I think that they shouldn't have gone away from that. Uh, two, two platoon, you like? Did you yeah. like? Did you like the, that? Now I got to go back. In JT to, I have to go back and, and rewind some shows and see if you're going to be consistent because I'm not sure that was your position before. See, at first it wasn't. I don't think it was at first, but then I realized like this is this was working better than any other system that they went with. Uh, Cardell Jones getting the ball for the first and second down. JT Barrett getting the ball uh, getting the ball for third down and red zone. That worked more than any. That worked more than any system that they used. Well, I, I I really think this. I think Urban Meyer, for the first time in his life, I think he felt a little pressure uh, from those fans. out. The, yeah, the fan, I, I, I don't know if it was so much the fans as perhaps maybe it was some other people that perhaps maybe they knew sports and football better than he did, and exactly. for some reason or another he kind of caved into that because. I like the system we had, and I think we should have stayed with it. And hopefully, uh, we may go back to it. I mean, we still got this game, we got a championship game, and and we got a playoffs because I think we're gonna be there. That's why we're still in the top ten. You hear that music? You know it's time for us to take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Chef Julian from the Hall of Fame City is here in the studios with me, and we'll be right back. After this. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Living Like It Matters, Chef Julian from the Hall of Fame City has come all the way out to the desert to join me in the studios, and so we're enjoying ourselves here. Of course, we've been uh, talking uh, earlier about uh, a couple things that's important to the chef. Johnny Menzel, of course, it's, it's, it's just about over for Johnny, and of course those Buckeyes, but uh, I want to make sure everybody understands what I am thankful for, and I am thankful, and what matters to me is that I've been blessed and uh, truly enjoying friends, family, good Lord who kept me here on this earth for another year. So, hey, uh, one thing I certainly want to do is anytime I get a good friend who uh, is a friend to the show that calls in and, and particularly wants to say something about what's going on in the city of brotherly love, I always have to make sure that I take that call. So anybody out there at 888-346-9144, feel free to give me a call. But at the time, we got Keith on the line. and. Keith, I, I, I first want to say this, Keith. I want to start my, my comments off by saying, listen, you let Chip Kelly know, listen, Chip Kelly needs to back off of Angelo. I already, t- I, I, you know, I, I, I jumped on Angelo years ago, and that man will fight back. You know, <laughs> Chip Kelly can't win that when Angelo's the man out there in Philadelphia. But, man, I guess Angelo kind of got up under uh, Chip's collar there a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, finally did. Finally caught Chip in a moment when he was kind of let his guard down, and he kind of got to see the real guy and see how irritated he really can be and, and feisty he can be. Uh, he, I think he needed that. His, his ego kind of getting to be uh, too big at this point, and, and we in Philly, are, you know how we are, man. Uh, Listen, Philly ran. Sports town, results yeah. of what counts, and ego has to go take a sideline. Philly ran. Uh, Philly ran. Buddy Ryan out of town. They, they, Buddy tried to say, you know, you had a winner in town, and Philly ran Buddy out of town. So, uh, you know, it's time for Chip to understand. It's been some, uh, you know, some folks come through that town there, but all they want to do is, if you say you're going to win, you know, let let's win. And uh, it appears to me that uh, Chip's ego is has taken over um, in terms of just his credibility. Uh, I think it's shot now. Uh, I think that people um, want to move on. I think he's got more chances than Johnny Manziel, and uh, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, I think you're right. In fact, actually, when I was getting ready to give you the call, I was remembering a couple of shows ago, uh, you know, how you were kind of praising Johnny football for kind of leaving that uh, posture behind, but it seems to have caught back up to him. Unfortunately, and I think the same thing is with Chip. Uh, Chip may have been great in college, thought he could transcend to the pro game, uh, 
but he still has that college mentality still rooted in him, and it's hurting him. And it's hurting us in Philly. Well, I, one, one, thing, one, one thing about, I think, what, what Chip has underestimated, and that is when it comes to the demand of coaching and being successful in the National Football League, I think it happened to, uh, you know, Pete Carroll his first time around, and I think Pete got a second chance at it, and he came back with a different approach. And that is when you play college football, it's just like Chef Julie and I were talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes. And, of course, you know, when Ohio State is on somebody's schedule, you know, you have the season before and then the current season until you play them to prepare for them. You circle that on your calendar, all off-season you're preparing, and all current season you're preparing until that game arrives, and then you go out there and you play the best game, hopefully, that your university has ever played so that you can unseed the defending national champions. In the National Football League, every Sunday, Monday, Thursday night, you could possibly be playing, you know, one of the best you are playing one of the best football teams on the earth. You don't get a one, you know, game season where you put everything and all your marbles, you know, to prepare for the for that team. I, I don't think Chip has ever been in a position where each week, you know, every team, you know, Oregon is what's on their calendar. That that hasn't happened. And, and in the National Football League, on every, it used to say any given Sunday, because those were the only days we played on, any team could beat any team. And I think those guys that come from college, I think like the players that come from college, it, they find out real fast it's a lot different. And so therefore, perhaps maybe sometimes people make it to the league and they underestimate the amount of talent that's in the National Football League, and the abilities of those coaches on the other side of the field who've put some time in. What Chip really has done to a lot of coaches, too, and they won't mention it, I, he's pissed a lot of them off, too, <laughs> because, you know, it's almost like going into a courtroom, you know, and you want to represent yourself, and you're up against one of the best lawyers, and you think you didn't, you didn't have to go to law school, you didn't have to study law in order to beat this guy. <laughs> you know, that's what, what Chip is doing, but... I mean, do you think he's underestimated really and truly the talent that he's up against, both as the coaches and the players? You think that could be part of it, Keith? I think it's a lot to do with it. I think his approach is that uh, if he just brings his system in, that, that he can do it. If he just has guys that can be plug and play, so to speak, and, and just play his system, that his system will carry him. But you're right. He doesn't realize that literally the worst player in the NFL is better than the best player you ever saw in college because they made it to the NFL. That's right. And, and, and you, you know, you see it a lot of times because I'm going to tell you a position a lot of times where they really get exposed is when you see running backs that come in and when you see quarterbacks because those are two people who play a position where at times the boundary is extremely important for them to get to. And you see them trying to escape the pocket, the quarterback, and then you see the running back trying to turn the corner, and they realize that they can't outrun the lineman. And, and, and I think, Chip, just that, that's something that is just so amazing that men are so big 
so athletic, so fast, and extremely intelligent. You know, these plays, these little trick plays that you think is going to fool these guys. These are men. These are professionals. And it's just not working. But I really think that that whole aspect of, you know, these men are much bigger, much faster is something where it's because, you know, Oregon was always known for having a fast team. When you get to the National Football League, it's a lot different. It, it most certainly is. Uh, I think he understands that now, but I think he's also got himself a roster of, of players that aren't equipped to make the transition. And he truly is not experienced enough to make the transition. You made a good point with Pete Carroll, um, who his first time around, uh, you know, it didn't work out. He needed that second time around, and he matured some. Um, Happened to Dick Vermeil. Happened to Dick Vermeil. That's he exactly won, right. But then he came back. He was a different Dick Vermeil, and he won in a different way, in a more NFL-ready way. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that happens. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. Whereas, and those two people, in both cases, those men were humble enough to acknowledge it. I mean, when Pete came back, he was humble enough to know that the first time, you know, maybe he wasn't ready, but he, he's got to figure it out. When Dick came back, Dick knew that he stepped away because, you know, he knew that he wasn't ready, and, and, he, and he came back. So I, I'm happy for the success of those people. But let, let me ask you one other thing while I got you on the phone here. Keith, uh, we got to take a, a break here in a couple minutes, but really, the Philadelphia 76ers, one of the greatest basketball programs in the history of the National Basketball Association. I mean, you think about it, you know, the first man that branded himself individually inside of a league, I'm going to say, before Michael Jordan was Dr. J, you know, and, and Julius. I mean, everybody who patterned themselves, let's say a generation of the, of the 60s, late 60s, uh, early 70s, you know, young men on basketball courts were trying to be Dr. J. You know, and then the next thing you know, it was it was it was Magic and Michael. You know, and then of course you had you know you had Larry Bird too. You know, people were trying to emulate those games, but this has to be an embarrassment to the city of brotherly love. I mean, it, they, you're talking about my Owen seventy six. Oh now. my gosh! I mean, <laughs> what? what calling them, buddy. What? What is? What is? What is the answer? Is, is there? Is there a solution? Is there an answer? Should we just you know? Is the season over with already? Is it possible? I know they're not going to, of course, make any playoff run, but, I mean, what's the, what are they missing besides an entire basketball team, <laughs> you know? It, it's going to take a long time. I mean, he's got a bunch of young kids that have to learn how to, first of all, accept losing. And none of them really have. They've all come from winning programs. So, first of all, they've got to learn that. Then they need to learn how to win in the NBA and understand that it's that two-step process. They're not going to take it all. Uh, they've got to learn how to accept losing. They've got to learn how to bounce back from it uh, and bounce back quickly. And then they have to learn how to win at the pro level. And then finally, they learn how to win and become winners. And that's what's going to have to happen with them. But, yeah, they lost on the weekend, and it was heartbreaking. thought they had a win down to the last minute and lost in the last few seconds. that there is a lot to be learned in a loss. Some people don't believe you, you can learn anything from a loss. I've always been one of those people that believe that in a loss and in a victory, there are things to be learned. So I, I hopefully, 
uh, will, I will continue to root for the Philadelphia 76ers. I hope they can get it turned around, but, uh, but I'm not too sure about that. So let, let me ask you this. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles going forward, uh, of course, that NFC East is still wide open. Is, is there any, mm, how should I say this? Are you hopeful that there's a chance that the Eagles could make a run at the end of the season and perhaps maybe find themselves in the playoff? Not going to be a wild card. Going to have to win the division. Any chance? Uh, that was the big talk on the sports shows locally today. Yeah, I think that they still probably will be uh, the division winners uh, just because the, the way things fall out. Uh, however, they're not going to go very far. And it, it, it's, a false, it's a false win. I mean, if they do, Chip feels vindicated. Then you got another year of the same stuff. Um, so I'm not really sure overall that it's good for the city. Um, the team, I think they still believe they can win. They still do have a shot because it's a very bad division. But I think it's more harmful than good. All righty. Well, you heard it straight out of the uh, city of brotherly love. I want to thank Keith for calling in. It's always good to hear from you, Keith. Hope you and your family enjoy. Hope you and your family enjoy that Thanksgiving back there. And uh, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back. Chef Junior and I are going to wrap this show up. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. You bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, we're back. This is the Rail of Sports from the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And shout out to my good friend again, Keith. Calling in from the city of brotherly love. Not a, not, a, not a lot of love there for the Sixers nor the Eagles at this particular time. And, um, man, things have got to get better for those uh, teams back there in that city because those people will not stand for that. Uh, certainly, you can imagine if Chip's job is on the line, you can only imagine what's going to happen to the basketball coach here. Uh, Dollar Field make it through the season. Uh, but want to... Come back into the studios with Chef Julian, who is here with me out of the Hall of Fame city. And, um, you know, Chef Julian, before we get into the power rankings, uh, there's some controversy, not controversy, but there's some competition going on, if you will, about this 
MVP trophy that will be presented uh, at the end of the season uh, to the most valuable player. And it seems like there are two candidates who've surfaced at this particular time. Their teams happen to be the only two, I believe, that left that are undefeated. Uh, yes, sir. And that would be, of course, uh, uh, Mr. Brady and, and Mr. Newton, uh, better known as Tom and Cam. Yep. So uh, what do you think about that? I mean, I'm just going to give it to you. The most valuable player in, in the league uh, at this time, is it Cam or is it Tom? See, that's the thing. I've been on this Cam Newton bandwagon for the past couple of weeks on this show. You can uh, go back and hear it. But, um, see, by the numbers, you would think that Tom Brady is in the lead. But Cam Newton is putting up numbers that he's never put up before. So it's it's kind of surprising. But the thing is, Brady has already put up these numbers that he's putting up. I mean, He's number one in passing yards, uh, over 1,000 more yards than Cam Newton. He's number two in uh, passing touchdowns. Uh, Cam Newton is all the way at number 20, Uh, one of the lowest interception-to-touchdown ratios this season. Um, And he... He's just playing like he usually plays. I mean, so, I mean so, so you're basically making a case for Tom more than you are Cam. Because if Tom is just playing the way he usually plays, but he's a superior you know, person in the National Football League, that shouldn't handicap him and prevent him from being the most valuable player. If he just so happens to be the best player, it's, it's almost like LeBron James in the National Basketball Association. If he's the best player in on the planet and he's the best player on the planet the next year, that doesn't mean, well, that's just LeBron. We expect that out of him. He's the best player. However, this year we know he's not the best player. There's a new guy in town, new sheriff in town, and Steph has a little bit to say about that. But, but Cam is... If it's the best that Cam's played, that doesn't necessarily justify him being the most valuable player. Oh, not at all. But by these numbers, it show, it shows that he's not the best. He hasn't been playing the best this season. So it's Tom, so so, Tom so the numbers are, are Tom. Yeah, and I and I just want to be fair. That's all I ever want to do is I want to be fair. And and if Tom, remember now, Cam may be playing the best football he's ever played in the National Football League, and everybody's going to say what and then look at you know, his supporting cast. We should never any longer ever again mention supporting cast and try to justify why somebody should be the MVP if we're not going to do that for Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady's supporting cast, I mean, they got guys catching touchdowns. We don't even know who they are. No, not at all. I mean, his team has been depleted from injuries, you know, as much as any team. And Bill Belichick, we got to give Bill Belichick credit too because – his team is still undefeated just deep into the season. So, I mean, uh, whether they're playing with a chip on their shoulder, and again, each year you get new guys on the team, so these guys on the team are just playing football. But Bill Belichick, we, at some point in time, you got to call it what it is. If he cheated one year, he cheated that year. Maybe he's not cheating every year, or he didn't cheat every year. But Bill Belichick has been under heavy scrutiny this year, and his team has performed and you just got to, when you see, you know, great coaching and you see a good football team, I'm not ready to call this football team a great football team, although it could, at the end of the year they could be threatening the Miami Dolphins again. But I, I got to go with Tom thus far. I got to go with Tom Brady in terms of this year's most valuable play at this point. See, when you said supporting cast, that just made me think of these uh, 
statistics that I just uh, looked up here. Uh, defensive rankings for this team. New England, for passing yards, New England is 21st, but Carolina is 7th. For rushing yards, New England is 2nd, and Carolina is 8th. See, that's the thing. They have they have a nice supporting group, not only offensively, but defensively, that is helping that. this team. I don't know about that passing ranking. Oh, that passing ranking, yeah. They're number what? They're number 21st. Okay, they're, they're 21 out of 32. Yeah. That means that there is 21 teams that are better than they are. But that gets me to my next one. Points, fewest points allowed. The New England Patriots are first. They're yeah. not. They're not. They might give up a lot of. They're bending, yards. but they're not breaking. Oh, and no. so, and so, what you have to say, what happens there is again. Let's go back to complimenting Tom Brady on the fact that Tom doesn't have a lot on offense, but he has enough because his defense. So it's, it's like this. We were talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes and Michigan State. You know, Michigan State scored 17 points, but they kept Ohio State to 14. Yep. So Tom, if he can only score 17 points, his defense is holding the guys to 14 points. That's a good thing. That that that's a very very good thing for. And 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 they mentioned it the other night on on of course on the game. They mentioned that New England may not have a lot of first round picks on their offense. Certainly not Tom Brady. We all know that. Oh yeah. But they got a hell of a lot of them on their defense. See, that's the thing. It's like just like the Seattle Seahawks do with the, their team. Bill Belichick has done that well, for Bill, the last Bill, decade. Bill Belichick understands that defense wins championships. Oh, definitely. He understands that. And see, the the I compare the uh, New England Patriots to the San Antonio Spurs of the NBA. You never hear about them all through the season. Then next thing you know, they are at the top of the league and they are running through these teams in the AFC like it's like they're cutting through butter. So you're you're going to say that uh, that uh, Timmy is the Tom Brady of the New England Patriots? Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, I, uh, Timmy was a first-round draft pick, so Timmy, Timmy can't necessarily be what Tom Brady is. But but he's a he's a senior. He, he's the elder statesman for that team. You know, I think they're both pushing forty years old, and and that's another thing. Let's look at Tom Brady. Let's look at Tom Brady and the way Tom Brady has been able to maintain, if you will, stay healthy, as opposed to Peyton Manning. You know, Peyton Manning, who's missed, and and Peyton and Tom's stats are a little bit different. But you got to, you know, commend Peyton on what he's done because Peyton, because of a neck injury, missed a whole year. A whole year. And uh, but but again, Peyton is the best in-season quarterback and Tom Brady is the best playoff quarterback. See, I don't know about that. that that's what I'm saying. Tom Brady might just be just as good as him on the, in the regular season. The Patriots had just completed their 13th straight season with 10 or more wins. And the only other team, only other team that's done that is the 49ers, and they did it 16 straight seasons. Well, so, certainly one thing that we don't, we don't doubt is that uh, Tom has a bust that's already, you know, pre-prepared for him. Oh, they you got know, his, his bust is in your hometown, my hometown, waiting for him. Uh, it's just a matter now of how does Tom go out. If the New England Patriots are able to win a Super Bowl this year, does Tom Brady retire? No, 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 he's got what do you have to play for if, if Denver wins, then Peyton Manning retires if the Patriots win no, no he's he's got much more to play for. I mean, he's Tom Brady, he's gonna go for more if I'm Tom Brady, I do my Ray Lewis. <laughs> I take my Ray Lewis moment and I walk out nah i I, I, I think he's got I, I do my I do my there. Jerome Bettis moment, I walk out, I walk out on top. Why take that chance? Do you know how hard it is to get to the playoffs, let alone to get to the NFC and AFC championship, and then to win 
a Super Bowl? Yeah, but that's the thing. His it seems like he's not even wearing down. It seems like he's not even like showing any effects that he's aging. So, to me, I don't think Tom Brady should retire if he goes out. If he if he wins it. Okay, real ball. quickly, real quickly, we we've got a couple minutes here. Let, let, let let's talk about uh, five, four, three, two, one. Just run the top uh, top run off the top ten from the bottom up in terms of the power ranking. All right, number ten, we got the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, number nine, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number eight, we got the Seattle Seahawks. Number seven, we got the Minnesota Vikings. Number six, we have the Green Bay Packers. Number five, we have the Cincinnati Bengals. Number four is the Arizona Cardinals. Number three is the Denver Broncos. Number two are the Carolina Panthers. And, of course, number one is the New England Patriots. New England doesn't surprise me, but I'm going to tell you what, the Arizona Cardinals are much too low on there. I think the Indianapolis Colts should not be on that. There's uh, no reason the Indianapolis Colts should not be on Or the Seahawks. I think the team, the players on that team, is the reason why they're in the top ten. I seriously think, I think the Falcons should be on there. I know they lost to the... Colts, but there's no reason why they should be lower than the uh, Colts. So you think the, uh, the the Falcons should be on there, even though the Colts beat them? Oh, definitely. You think? And then uh, what about Green Bay? What do you think is happening with Aaron Rodgers? Oh my God, that, that's been a decline for the last three games. If it wasn't for that win against Minnesota, this that team would be in trouble through everything. They would have. I mean, they've been showing that they've been in trouble with their teams and you everything. You know what's really interesting to me is there's five and five. There's, yeah. there's five AFC and five NFC teams in, in that top in that ranking there. That that I mean that means uh, you know you're talking about competition you know spread throughout the league. Uh, it'd be interesting to see who's going to surface. So we know New England's number one, and it looks like Carolina. So so the AFC and the NFC is being represented there at, at one and two, huh? Uh, yep. <laughs> well, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, you never know. Might but be pre-Super Bowl. You never know. Hey, Chef Julian, thank you for joining me in the studios. You guys uh, know it's that time. Uh, I thank you for all for listening to us. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.